Good morning, boys and girls, and welcome to the latest episode of Excalibros. <laughs> I'm I'm waiting every episode. I'm waiting to see how you're going to finish Excalibros off. I feel like, like if you're going to finish, finish it like an announcer, a wrestling announcer, at one point. It's 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 my fun. I just want to you know make it a little bit variable. Ex- ex- Express my artistic roots with uh, that doesn't make any sense. We should have no. Expressing your artistic roots through sound. Um, is, I picked we, we picked a bad day to record because my vocabulary is not connected to my tongue today. So we'll see how this goes. This could be this could be interesting. This, this is this is perfect. Um, it's the only way to fly. <laughs> Well, uh, on today's episode, we're going to go over Excalibur number four from 1988 and Exiles number five from 2001. So, uh, Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit about the cover for Excalibur number four? Well, um, all our superheroes are gone, and it's a janitor cleaning up after them. Telling us that if we wanted any any uh, muscular, heroic males and beautifully erotic females um, <laughs> engaging in gratuitous violence against sinister criminal super brains and their ugly, stupid henchmen in exotic, moody, high-tech, subterranean bases in the eternal struggle to prevent the good being washed away in a tide of chaotic, evil mayhem. Sorry, mate. I have to look inside for all that. I think that's... <laughs> It's just a really bizarre, it's such a crazy can you imagine that on a comic shelf? Like just in a comic shop you're walking past and it's just like a random dude <laughs> sweeping up in a spotlight. Imagine how angry people would be nowadays if this was the cover. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone on Twitter would flip out at, at Marvel, they'd be so upset. Oh, it'd be nearly it'd be it'd be nearly as catastrophic as ask me about my feminist agenda. <laughs> That's what it'd be. Um, I love it because it's just stu- it's like taking the piss and I, I like that <laughs> like we're only four issues in uh, well technically five and like the cover you know Alan Davis and like, was just like screw it <laughs> let's put whatever we want on the cover I love it it's like uh, after after like production of a TV show the lights are off and the janitor is just sweeping up the stage and it's all black in the background and it's it's hilarious I love it I want to know if his name is actually A. Jax, or is it A, and his second name is Jax. Um, on his little name patch, on his pocket. Or does he just work with Ajax, which I think is a chemical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, well, we should definitely email Alan Davis and see what he says. You might not even remember it. I feel like this is like a fever dream. <laughs> he just drew it and just wrote it. It was like, was like uh, a week till deadline. You need a cover for Excalibur, and he's just like, uh, okay. <laughs> at least it's kind of like, and it kind of has that, um, pokes the fun out of that, see inside for the awesome stuff. And he's, you know what, this is, at least this cover's honest. Um, like, unlike some covers who, like, this time Spidey versus Wolverine, when really they just have a chat. At right. least he's like, the muscle people are inside doing <laughs> stuff. And it's true. The muscle people are inside doing stuff. So. Good for Ajax. I'm just going to call him Ajax from now sure. on. He could be the honorary third member of the podcast. Yep, pretty much. He just comes in once we've left, sweeps up, talks about um, 
erotic females. <laughs> if we could get him to do the editing, I'd be all for it. <laughs> Why not ask him? Yeah. Um, he, seem, he doesn't seem that busy. Um, there's not much to speak up. So anyway, <laughs> Excalibur number four, um, written by Chris Claremont still, uh, penciled by Alan Davis, inked by Paul Neary, colorist is Glennis Oliver, um, lettered by Tom Ozengwalski. I can't say it properly. Ozengwalski. Yeah, say it. don't hate me. I can see it. I can hear it in your voice, like, pronounce things properly, you idiot. Um, well, it is your native I'm, language, right? Yes, but I'm also, English is my native language, but I'm also horribly bad at pronouncing every, anyone's name. I'm just <laughs> it would seem that's my it's it's my one weakness. Yep, your only weakness. Let's let's continue. <laughs> so we open on a old school uniformed Captain Burton kissing a woman um, who holds lots of tickets. With one kiss per ticket. Um, and it's Courtney, Cap's old flame, you know, reminiscing about how she nearly bankrupted herself buying all the tickets to kiss Captain Byrne, as you would. Um, and she just sat there in the dark, drinking wine in her bank office, looking over London, just basically just being Courtney. Um, I suppose that's going to be a constant phrase of mine throughout the series. Just being Courtney because she doesn't really have much character development. Um, bless her. And then this crazy gang jumps in, and may I tell you, they take inspiration from Alice in Wonderland, but you probably wouldn't really guess that without the actual dialogue. Because <laughs> we have like a random clown, a sort of robot man with a heart on him, a Grim Reaper, green Grim Reaper esque with an axe, and a large lady just shouting off with a red. Um, and all she says is orf with her head. Yeah, because she can't speak with through those teeth, obviously. <laughs> um, but what I was surprisingly happy about is Courtney um, does away with most of them, with all of them, in fact. And she, you know, they're at, they're there to kidnap her, but she escapes all of them. Even the crazy. Dude, we saw um, in the very first issue where he creates the weird robot. He's now being uh, dragged about by an army, a pack of rats uh, oh, in right, a wheelchair. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and she manages to, you know, get past all of them. And there's a convenient police car, but police car is far too convenient because inside the car there is arcade. And for the listeners who don't know who arcade is, it doesn't matter. No one cares anyway. Um, but no, he's a guy who has fought the X-Men before many a time. And um, there's a girl that zams her with her zamming gun. Which at first you'd think maybe has killed her, but I assume has just kidnapped her. Because Sam does not sound like Blam. I assume Blam's more deadly. That's just that's, that's how, I, how I go with speech words. And that was this week's Onomatopoeia Corner with Dan. <laughs> <laughs> so yes after I, that little prologue hold on I, I just I gotta say I love how you know we talk a lot about um, thought bubbles uh, in, these, in this book because it's so old and I, I feel like they're used really great in, in this 
these fight scenes because you get to hear her thought process and she's like, well, I could fight him this way, but it's better if I just jump on her head and, and jump over her. It's, it's not like overused. I think you could still get the gist of what's happening without the thought bubbles, but I thought they're... I, I really... <clears throat> excuse me. I really enjoyed the thought bubbles in this fight. Yeah, I think the thought bubbles are, and when they kick in for the fight are much better than before where she's just... Because we've got um, her narration mm-hmm. um, in, in text boxes and then thought bubbles. Um, well, it's like the narration of her situation and then her own thought bubbles on the situation. Which was a bit of a, a bit too much, I feel. And then, but then when she starts fighting, I do like the whole spits of Chanel in the eyes. Um, <laughs> I just I just assume she's she inflects quite um, significantly when when <laughs> with all the um, apostrophes and question marks being being thrown around everywhere. Um, but yeah, I think it, I, I really like this fight scene. I really like the fact that um, we don't know much about Connie apart from she's in love with Brian still. And it was nice to see her be able to take care of herself and not just instantly get kidnapped. And it was just a lax in judgment because you should never jump into the back of a police car. That's that's a no-no in any situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, it was just a lax in judgment which got her caught in the end. Other than that, she would have been um, free. So close. And I love, my favourite panel of, of the issue is the Tweedledum-esque character being pulled by rats in a wheelchair. Um, chariot thing I just with um, little knives on the wheels just for added danger <laughs> just... there's one thing about this book it just add, it just gives you panels no matter what issue it will give you at least like six panels to just be like these are great I can just use them to express my emotion online if I wanted to <laughs> <laughs> yes you could so they've got like this issue's got some amazing art in it. Um, well, this this book always has, but I do that panel with the rats is just fantastic. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, and after she is zammed, uh, we cut to the next day where Kitty and uh, Rachel are out shopping, uh, and they're both wearing nice skirt suits because that's how normal people dress when they're out and about. I don't understand this. Like, you wear a skirt suit if you're going to, like, work or you have a presentation or you're going to pitch something. But if you're just going shopping, I feel like normal people dress down a little bit. Yeah, I didn't really understand. Like, uh, Captain Britain's given them all bank accounts. So is he, like, funding them all? And then has he... And it seems like he's told them to go shopping. Yeah. And then they're taking taking the uh, mick out of the idea of, like... Was uh, respectful enough for the local sensibilities. So obviously, us Brits only like suit skirts. We don't like to see our women in anything else. Um, clearly, and it's such a weird sort of moment. Which I do like that Rachel basically just—I <laughs> I don't want to say hooker turns her into a hooker. That's—it's not that kind of look, but definitely like makes Kitty. Um, more out there because those metal shoulder shoulder pads are ridiculous like who puts them on I don't think even Rachel has worn metal shoulder pads well, when she trans- no, no it's pretty crazy and you know stepping back a second you get Kitty sort of making fun of Rachel like hey you need to be more respectable so then Rachel uses her phoenix powers to give Kitty like a 
like an 80s rock and roll outfit, including like low cut dress with with your pre-mentioned metal shoulder pads and like crazy bun hair. And uh, Rachel's having a good laugh about it. And of course, all the men start staring at Kitty. Yeah, um, t- t- yeah. She does also seem to age a little bit. Yes. Uh, with her. Yes. But like, I love how Kitty's kind of reluctant about it, and then Austin is like, "Ooh, um, <laughs> like, ooh, I do look good." Um, <laughs> it's such a weird moment. And then obviously they go to pay for it, and the money has the weird gang. Um, the crazy gang. The, yeah, the crazy gang queen on it, and uh, the the woman behind the desk is like, "No way, you um paying with this." And then it cuts to the continued adventures. Oh of wait, hold the... a second. Because if Rachel can just create clothes, why are they even shopping in the first place? That um. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've just been a little. That's a really. That's a really good point. <laughs> And that's actually a really good point. That that's blown. That has literally blown my mind. Like, what is the point of any of it if she can just just do what she wants? Um, because they want to be normal. Yeah. No. Can let's, I just let's just skip over that. Let's pretend that didn't happen. Can I just point one thing out? The shop they go into is Marks and Sparks, which is actually Marks and Spencers, which is a chain shop in this country, and people do call it Marks and Sparks. So. Tip of the hat to the creator to uh, Alan Davis for giving it its sort of colloquial name. Nice. Uh, as I didn't re- realize that until just looking through it again now. But yes, we move on to Megan and Nightcrawler. Will they? Won't they? Um, they have a better chemistry than Megan and B- Brian, and always have. Um, <laughs> end scene. So basically, we have um, Nightcrawler making a ridiculous jungle gym in the ceiling. I thought they were complaining that this place isn't. Hasn't got enough room. Yeah, I he's know. Making, like, I know. Insane, like jungle gym, metal monstrosity, and um, obviously Megan's kind of like, "What are you doing?" And as as Megan is Megan, she's wearing a bikini. For yeah, and it's what? it's it's like the tiniest bikini. It is the smallest bikini from 1988. It could literally just be her underwear, actually, and not her bikini. <laughs> Um, that's how how it's drawn, and I, this is when I feel sorry for Megan, because she's drawn in those kind of things. And um, obviously, Megan's like, "Why are you doing that? What do you need it for?" And Nightcrawler, the sensible guy here, decides to give her a demonstration by, like, picking her up, spinning her around, and then chucking her, <laughs> literally flinging her, um, and then saying that he's gonna catch her before she falls because he's so awesome acrobatics, but. Lo and behold, she flies, um, which is unfair. But then Nightcrawler decides to tickle her, even with his tail, and they both fall to the floor. And there's a moment between them where Megan gets quite turned on to the point where she basically turns into a night, the female version of Nightcrawler, and is about to kiss. And then Brian comes home, and she's all like, "What have I done?" And uh, Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler's kind of like, "Oh dear, this she's captured Adam Burns' girl." We we tweeted these these uh, some of these panels out yesterday because this epitomizes the chemistry between Megan and Nightcrawler, like how much fun they have when he's teasing her, or when they fall to the ground and she's so attracted, her body just naturally like turns into a, you know, morphs into a female Nightcrawler like being, and they get this close to kissing and it really feels like this 
is where these two characters should be going. Yes. And they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers for some unknown reason. Kind of like Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, they have to be together at some point for some unknown reason. Mm. Um, they just... They don't have, I don't think... I don't know what it is about keeping Megan and, and Brian together. I don't know if it's a confidence issue with the, the writing or, or if they don't have Megan for Brian, then what's like what's the point in one of the other characters um sort of because brian's an alcoholic um who has anger issues and impulse impulse control issues which we will see in a second and megan's just like this really free-spirited naive um woman that's sort of learning the world for the first time and there is no chemistry between them there is nothing apart from her devotion to him for no apparent mm-hmm. reason. Uh, but this, this shows like a side, like Kerr is injured and but is still playful and he's only been playful with Megan, really. And they both really interact well and it feels like the beginnings of a romance and god damn it if I don't want them to be together. <laughs> but denied. Mm. Because they need to have the handsome blonde couple together for almost like soap opera reasons more than anything. Like, it's just, yeah. it's Just, just because, that's the setting. Then we need to stick yeah. to the setting, yep. Just because. And so, um, Megan's gone up to see what's happening in her underwear. No one bats an eyelid, obviously. Um, and Kitty's explaining to Brian that, you know, um, Courtney's bank has got all this weird fake money and Brian knows who it is and he gets so angry that the buttons of his t-shirt ping off him. I love it. And he's just all like, I must go save her. And poor Megan's like, oh god, he still loves her. And Nightcrawler's like, oh, the X-Men dealt with Arcade before. Hello, I, I exist. Um, but Brian's <laughs> not listening to anyone. He tries to leave. Um, Kurt tells Rachel to hold him for a little bit because, you know, make a plan rather than just ride off like madmen. And so they sort of discuss what they, they're going to do, and they decide to uh, go rescue Courtney. I I get what they're trying to do with Brian, but, like, it really hammers home this whole, like, he's in love with Courtney and yes. Paul Megan sat there. Um, which makes me think... It, I can see why when you're reading this, um, there's, like, a buffer... Like oh Brian and Courtney might get back to, he might get back they get might get together but it's okay because Megan fancies Nightcrawler right so they mutually separate and then they get their new relationships so it makes like it feels like that's the way it's going <laughs> it just never steers that way yeah it definitely it. feels more natural if that would have occurred but it doesn't <laughs> um, so they they take a look at the money and they realize that. Um, you know, on the back of, of some of this money, you see different ways that Courtney is about to be murdered, uh, you know, by train or by, like, pendulum axe or it looks like a giant Easter bunny stomping on her. I don't really know. <laughs> and it's, the, it's, the bunny, it's the bunny from Alice in Wonderland because it's got the clock in its hand, so it's probably going to beat her to death with that pocket watch. Um, but on the other side, they have the picture of a factory uh, on all of the bills. So the, the X-Men being the the detective geniuses they are, rather the Excaliburs, the Excalibur, 
Um, I don't know how to pluralize that. But the team... The, the collective <laughs> members of Excalibur. <laughs> the totality of Excalibur. <laughs> the totality. Yes, that's how it should be always said. Uh-huh. Uh, decide, hey, let's go to the factory. Even though they know it's a trap, but they have to go anyway because Courtney's been kidnapped. Pretty much. And then we have lots of um, arcade talking mm. um, for a panel. Um, with his creepy face and his doorway to destiny, um, with Courtney in a like strapped to a wheelchair, and this random woman in the in the background. And Courtney's which... in her her like Playboy, like bunny outfit. Basically, is <laughs> what he's yeah. put her in. I do love that this woman um, only has one leg, one part of her leg showing, like her upper thigh. Oh yeah. The rest, the rest of her is completely covered in some sort of blue material. I think she has pouches. It's hard to tell. Um, and then we have, um, in the background, we have actual scenes which are being credited by um, Marvel Team Up. Uh, is it number three? No, number 65 and 68. Oh, 65, 66, sorry. Yep, as well as My, classic X-Men 29, 29 and 30. Woohoo, classic X-Men. Yes. So in the background, we have all this um, the X-Men fighting arcade and Okay, just talking about like the show, and you're gonna have to make these people laugh. And this poor dude is the first victim, dressed also like a Playboy bunny, um, who's doesn't really know what he's doing, and he gets crushed by a giant foot. It's, which, pretty, it's pretty gross. Yeah, it's a bit insane. Um, but Arcade is insane, so he pushes her in the doorway, pushes Connie in the doorway of destiny, and she gets knives thrown at her, and she's all thinking fast. Um, and then. Elsewhere, suddenly McRat- for almost no reason, <laughs> Moe McTaggart and uh, Callisto with the best hair ever and the tiniest waist belt I've seen in a long time <laughs> uh, randomly talking. Uh, and Moira has um, concerns about uh, Rachel, and then all of a sudden, boom, the train vanishes, and our little robot friend has seemingly teleported them somewhere uh, to be continued <laughs> yes that that is constantly to be continued and so it looks like basically Courtney's magically beaten Arcade by <laughs> dancing sexually for the demons because those pictures are really like sort of Marilyn Monroe inspired mm-hmm. um, and giving giving good Jokes, japes. I don't even know. What, don't I don't know what, but she's surviving. She's telling, she's like, I think, bad jokes, but doing it in a sexy way, and, and they're all enjoying it. And you get to see like a succession of panels where Arcade's uh, henchman, henchwoman, slowly starts cracking a smile and, and is enjoying the performance. <laughs> which I thought that was a great, uh, you know, middle middle row of panels here. Is I also really like Arcade's face, like from balancing the ball oh, yeah, and the yeah. spot to. Looking a bit concerned, <laughs> but He's I got really that great like, baby yeah. face, like clown face. Yeah, which makes him creepy, but also like sort of weirdly hilarious to look at sometimes. Mm-hmm. But then we move outside of the factory. Meanwhile, because there's always an elsewhere or a meanwhile. Mm. Um, we have the the factory being guarded by the the, the crazy gang, and our heroes decide to jump forth. And unfortunately, the crazy gang have some sort of device which allows them to swap bodies with our heroes. 
Um, which I really like the panel where is it Tweedledum or Tweed, whatever his name name is um, swaps with Captain Burton and Captain Burton just looks a bit goofy. Oh yeah, he's got like this like crazy smile on his face and his eyes are like bugged out. And the other guy, the, the Tweedledum guy, looks like he's in a Captain Burton pose. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's a really nice touch, and obviously he gets defeated. He's not in his normal body. And Nightcrawler and Megan. And poor Night. And poor Me- Can we just like have another count that Megan gets knocked out again? Mm-hmm. Like, bless her. But um, Nightcrawler and Megan get swapped, and then they try to swap Rachel. Um, but, but just but they're only able to do it because her mind, her soul, the totality of her being is savaged. <laughs> And this is, they use totality twice in this issue. Twice. Twice. Yes. It's, it's, it's too much. Twice <laughs> is definitely too much. Um, but yes, yeah, she, she hears a cry from her baby brother, um, which is, if you want to know what's happening, is in X Factor 35 and X Men 241. Um, so young little Nathan is having a moment. Um, Obviously, this is this is this is just a moment to say, look, kids, we are still sort of connected to the rest of them. Uh-huh. Um, but yes, she can't be possessed or swapped because of her ridiculous phoenix powers. And um, no bother, RK is not too bothered. Uh, Rachel comes out of the, the the explosion, puts on the cloak, and holds the axe, and it almost seems like she's completely taken over but I have a strange feeling she may not be um, and then we have Arcade just dropping a trap door for Courtney and saying that she, she they're not going to forget Kitty who has done nothing in this fight but hide um, this time around and uh, she's gonna he's going to get her and her little dog dragon too, I know they said dog because that's the reference right? from Wizard of Oz so yes Excalibur's been body swapped and kitty to the rescue i'm disappointed because there was no struth in this issue so it's uh still our struth counter is stuck at number four uh but hopefully we'll get you know we'll keep building that up i'm hoping we get to like i'm hoping by the time we finish all of the issues we'll at least have a hundred struths is my goal (laughs) and struths per issue no um as long as we don't have to start a totality totality (laughs) because I am bored of that word because it's now become used in recent X-Men comics um, which is just it needs to just die where it existed um, Was that astonishing where we saw that? I think so, yeah, yeah Let's not talk about poor, that book yeah, Poor Psylocke It always happens when Psylocke uses her knife dagger thing totality of my mental prowess whatever it is she says anyway um, Excalibur issue number four what did you think? I think um, on the whole it's actually quite a fun issue um, my favourite scene is between Megan and Megan and Kurt I really like the art all the way through um, the colour work is really nice in this issue mm-hmm. I don't know I, like the monitor I really like the, the monitor like the, pu- the sort of pukey yellow greeny monitor which kind of like works really well with the whole vibe of the place. It, it and it is it is still sort of crazy, but feels kind of like a bit more run of the mill um, than previous issues. But I did like Courtney 
fighting her, fending her way off um, as good as she can. Yeah. And I, despite, you know, at least at this point in, in X-Men and Marvel history, Arcade is kind of like a flunky. He never really wins anything. Um, but despite that, I do enjoy the issues where he, he appears. And that, that team up with uh, the X-Men and Spider-Man is just classic. Yeah. Of course. Like, he's quite fun. I, like, he, he's the right tone mm-hmm. for, for the book. Um, he's not, and it's weird because like the the crazy gang aren't as zany as what we've seen so far, um, but I think it works. It's a nice little sort of first half of, oh no, what will what will happen with our heroes? Um, kind of business. Yep. So all I mean, I can basically just echo your your sentiments there. The uh, uh, my favorite part was definitely Nightcrawl and Megan together. The artwork's amazing. Great coloring. It's it's a fun issue. It's a little bit light in terms of um, I don't feel like a lot of witty witty storytelling happened, but you know you don't need that every issue. It was a, a fun, quick, quick read, so enjoyable. Pretty much, I feel like um, just the idea of Nightcrawler building a jungle gym um, <laughs> astonishes it just astonishes me so um, so much. Cool. Well, that was Excalibur number four. Time to move on over to Exiles number five. Yes. And as I went went through the hurdles of Excalibur, you can uh, take us all the way down through this issue. Okay. Well, uh, Exiles number five, writer Judd Winnick, penciler Jim Calafiore, and Mike McCone. Um, and the cover artist is Mike McCone. And on the cover, you can definitely tell that we've, we've switched art styles here. This is a little bit more, I, I want to say, like cartoony and turn of the century uh, to me. But we've got um, the exiles in the woods with uh, like a deranged Hulk uh, in front of them. And we're alluding to a Hulk exiles fight. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of this, this cover and the new artwork, Dan? Um... It's weird because like, like the exiles don't look too bad, but the Hulk just looks insane. <laughs> like I know he's supposed to be like enraged stuff, but he just looks he just looks men like he's gone crazy. He's just like they've gone. Someone's just told someone, oh, just goes crazy. He's like just make him look totally off his off, off his rocker, and uh, mm-hmm. it just and and that image of um, mimic doesn't seem to like gel with the rest of. The, like it feels like he's lost someone he loves. Yes. Or something. Yeah. It doesn't gel with any of the rest of the image. It's a it's um, a weird cover. I'm not really a fan of this cover. No. Alright. Well At least at least at least the biggest thing we'll find out in this issue is shading um has been has been discovered as a colouring technique. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. All right. Well, um, as I mentioned, um, when speaking of the cover, the exiles have teleported into the Canadian wilderness, and uh, they're all sort of tattered from their fight on the moon. The costumes are all tattered, except for Morph, who's in like a pilot's outfit from like the nice. 1940s, which is I love it. Um, and, but they're also very cold, and they ask Sunfire to to heat things up. And we get, this is where we continue to see Morph just hit on Sunfire like crazy. Uh, <laughs> yes, like it's, 
it's a bit too much sometimes. Um, but she also seems to be into it sometimes, so I'm never like sure like what the deal is with those two. Um, but uh, they're in the Canadian wilderness, and they're not really sure what to do until uh, our beloved mimic, whose facial hair has sort of become more natural with this new artist, um, decides it's time to hurl. And he pukes and pukes and pukes. And um, we're not really sure why at the moment. But uh, just look at these pages. I mean, there, there, there are panels here. For example, when Blink is behind Mimic um, and he's about to puke, that I, I kind of enjoy the art, art style. Um, mm. but, but there are other panels that do not work for me at all in this book. Like, I think it is quite incons- inconsistent. I really like the, the vomit panel. Like, it's, I think it's the first time I've seen vomit as, as designed as a panel in a comic book. Yeah, um, there's, there's some interesting like choices there. Um, and I love seeing uh, Morph go through a whole bunch of different costume changes as they're trying to figure out what's going on. Like, he was the pilot, yeah. and then he's like a Greek uh, philosopher, and then he's a member of, of like, the... Uh, the Xavier School, and then he's a pirate, and then he's uh, a cowboy with a baseball bat. Uh, so, like, they're really having fun playing with Morph, which is fun. I really, I really like the scene where um, TJ and um, Thunderbird uh, like chatting and just ignoring him. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is going, and he is just talking. I just love that little scene, but I just love that he just goes on and on about his exploits. Uh, about drinking, and they're not even bothered. They're just talking about like the the impending sounds. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the Hulk busts in, and I do really like this this page a lot, where we've got the Hulk jumping down on the ground and and knocking everyone all over the place. Uh, Morph is sort of doing a backflip. Um, yeah, it's 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 a great. Uh, I mean, it's not a full like double double page spread, but it's a nice big panel here. It is really nice. And we get the title. This is Up North and In the Green, part one of two. Which, Seven. sure, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then we get Morph has changed into a chicken and is screaming for them to run away from the Hulk, which I thought was I, great. I really like that. That's my, that's, I, that, that's my favorite panel of the issue. Even the dialogue is brilliant. Um, <laughs> Uh, so um, they're, they're not really sure what's going on with the Hulk like he could you know, sometimes the Hulk is just uh, just trying to live his life and people upset him or sometimes he's on a rampage and I'm not sure if he's like trying to be calm or what's going on and we learn that um, because Clarice is from the, uh, the Age of Apocalypse they didn't really have a Hulk so she doesn't really understand what's going on here um, and of course uh, Morph ends up upsetting the Hulk because he snaps Twig, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's fighting time, uh, and and the Hulk is basically able to take out our exiles with, with no problems whatsoever. Uh, do do you have any comments on the fight here? Um, I like that Morph is a rock has half a rocket as a as a, a body at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also love that he's a strong man with chains and that he says, aim for the water. Yes. The water. Um, and I do like that sort of like Clarice tries to blink him away, but it doesn't work. It's, a, it's just, it's a typical sort of Hulk fight. Yeah. Um, 
and my favorite to be honest i really do like the fact that uh Thunderbird punches him and then he's like oh boy <laughs> when it doesn't face him yeah. <laughs> he just gets, and he just gets smashed i really like the panel of him being smashed through all the trees and him just laying down and everyone's just like are you all right um it's got it's just got there's a nice fun sort of feel to it even though they're fighting the hulk who could easily kill them all it would seem oh yeah i love when Worf has the, the chains around the hulk and the hulk just like squishes the chains because they're just morph and he starts yeah. call, calling him a rubber man yeah. <laughs> um, um, obviously the hulk is, is easily able to handle things he jumps away and then who should show up but alpha flight but it's not quite the alpha flight that we know is it dan no it's led by wolverine because just like morph says wow yet another wolverine yes <laughs> but on the team we've got puck we've got wolverine we've got the shaman we've got a wendigo as well i guess um and who else is it is on there in the back that's North Star, I think. Uh-huh. Um, and I want to say that's—is that Heather? So that would be like Vindicator or whatever she's called. Guardian is she called Guardian? I don't. I don't know. I can't remember my elf. I, I can't remember my elf flight that much, apart from the famous ones, which sounds really bad because <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I know she's called Heather. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well. They're there, um, and the exiles quickly explain that hey, we're from, we're, we're a reality hopping team of of rogues and superheroes here to save the day. And Wolverine's like, what? Um, and we find out that this shaman um, is very special because he is also John Proudstar, um, but from obviously he obviously wasn't turned into a giant goat monster like our Thunderbird. Mm-hmm. Which is something I, I like about this issue and the issue afterward is that we get a little bit of backstory for, for John uh, because it's, it's sorely needed because he spent the first four issues just sort of sometimes punching and maybe saying a phrase here and there but just being in the background. Pretty much. Um, and, it's, and it seems that our team is being stalked by a guy with um, cat eyes. Who could, best, who, who could it be? Who could it be, Dan? Yeah. Who could it? I have no idea. It's such a surprise. Um, when we find out. Um, and uh, Alpha Flight takes the Exiles back to their base, uh, and they help Mimic to heal. And we find out that Mimic was sort of mimicking the Hulk's abilities, but was also giving him uh, radiation poisoning. So that's why he was throwing up. Yes, uh, of this, course. Because this, this is the issue that we get the technical specs for his powers where he can only mimic if he wants to permanently keep a power he has to stay with them for five hours mm-hmm. or outside of that he just mimics whatever unfortunately and um i do love that he's got like perspective on his powers because clarice is is tells him why don't you just teleport or fly or you know use fire powers he's like hold on a sec those are not powers like an amateur should just jump into uh, which I thought was pretty, pretty adult of him. Yeah, it was. It's it's nice to see that he's capable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's what you want from your um, co-leaders, isn't it? Yeah, and we get a nice Wolverine surprised of the uh, the bone claws, and Mimic's like, "Boy, do I have a story for you!" 
Then we have this really, this really lovely scene between um, Morph dressed as in in a dress, and um, <laughs> Sunfire, Sunfire in her new costume, which you know she was quite happy to not just be falling out of anymore. Even and though, it, it, yeah, go ahead. It does feel like it's all in jest, even though uh, yes, this 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 costume certainly shows off everything that can be possibly be shown off. Yes, but I, I love the dynamic between Morph and her here because you're not really sure if she's into him hitting on her or not, and they they keep going back and forth, and it feels like friendly and and enjoyable rather than uh, me too kind of a moment, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it does come come very close to that line. Uh, yeah, it, it 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 almost crosses the line of like it's, it's a bit too too much. But <laughs> at least we juxtapose to a like sort of actual character beat for both our well for our John, where he finds out you know the past of the John he's just met and how he you know he studied under the other shaman and got rid of all that anger and he's talking about it. And how he can like no longer, you know, he's a hero. He's not the monster that Apocalypse sort of sought him out as. And I thought it was a really nice sort of moment. Like you said, it's just nice to get some sort of anything for him. It's just just a page about him is is a nice welcome change. Yep, I agree. Um, and after they it's... have a heart to heart, we get Wolverine uh, sort of giving his explanation of what the team's going to do. Um, almost like uh, police chief speaking to his his detectives here, and we cut from some awful panels of Wolverine to the gallery of who's who of no name Canadian superheroes. Do you know any of these people? Right. So, um, right. Obviously, the ones we met. So, Shaman mm-hmm. is a shot. It's just, and Puck is there somewhere, um, and Northstar who looks like he's gagging on something. Or he's seen something inappropriate. I assume the woman above him is his sister. Right. And the woman above her is Snowbird. Okay. The shapeshifter. I think the green girl is... Uh, I forgot her name. She's the fish one. Um, that looks like that looks like Jubilee, to be honest. It does, <laughs> yeah, yes. The jack, but it's not. And I couldn't, for the life of you, tell, tell you any more of them. Like, Alpha Flight is not my, not no. my weird little house. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like that might be Wild Child in the bottom right corner. Yeah, that could, yeah, that could work. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I feel like it wasn't there someone called Box. So <laughs> I feel like that robot, that robot man is 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 the Box character because he's a robot. I'm sure he's a robot or something. I don't know. Don't ask me. Yeah, basically, it's it's almost like looking at like a an image book from the 90s being like, oh, there's all these people who are supposed to be superheroes, but they have, you know, costumes that are not iconic. It's very forgettable. I generally think the one in purple is, like, from the Shi'ar. Like, <laughs> it's just a random Shi'ar. It's just randomly there. Um, if Listeners, if you can name all of them, we won't give you a prize or anything. We'll just be amazed, um, essentially. I'd love to know, yeah. Um, so they're like, hey, it's the Hulk. we got to get the Hulk. And that's when the Talus begins speaking to our purple leader. Or is it pink? Is she pink and purple? Is she magenta? How would you characterize <laughs> it? Um, pink. <laughs> Maybe magenta. Okay. I feel like you can 
you gave me a lot of like sort of like an optician would say is it better with a or b um one thing i do notice is that out of the whole book her stood there in that uh, 99 um t-shirt yes uh, she's she's so the inking is so thick around her like the rest of the book is not like that at all mm. it's such a weird sort of choice because she i know it, it like pops her out of the the whole page but it's just a bizarre sort of choice but obviously um her and cal's romance has started and uh the talus is saying we should really go help them or they'll all die um what well, i'm not really certain what like i i like these these two pages that have both of them talking and they're in private uh cal's basically in his boxer shorts and and clarice is in like a very tight long t-shirt or tank top with like just underwear on underneath it um but they, they it looks like they've just been intimate and they're talking about what to do but then at the end he gives she gives him like a surprise kiss and he's like oh that that wasn't so bad so i'm almost i'm, I'm not sure if if like she just walked into his room when she was in her like her 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 quote-unquote pajamas and he's just in the boxers and they're like talking about strategy or if they just got done like making the x-men with two backs and are now talking about what they're going to do like it's it's not really clear to me no because like and the fact that she leaves makes me say that maybe they share a room they don't clearly they don't share a room <laughs> yeah like, i don't know what it is it's weird but i do well, i do love their interactions Maybe the Talus has just started... Because the Talus has just started um, speaking. Mm-hmm. So maybe the Talus... Maybe she ran in. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, maybe. Because she was trying to figure out what it's saying. Because it, obviously it was saying something to her at the, the gathering. Mm-hmm. But she's obviously like, right, okay. We've all gone to bed. And he's the one she trusts. So maybe like the most out of them. Or talks to the most out of the rest of them. So maybe she's just like, right, I'll just go and say hi. And... Then she's like, do you know what, I'll just kiss him as well, because I can. <laughs> uh, and then they, Alpha Flight starts to mention that the way that they can trace the Hulk is when he gets angry, and that's when, like, all of his powers start, like, kicking in, and, and they can trace, like, the, uh, the radiation from him. But uh, right now, he's just, like, having a nap in the woods until he sees the moon. Um... And he just decides to go to sleep. Like I don't understand what the point of these pages are. <laughs> it's just sure that he's, it's, it's probably to show that he's not a monster, like they always do. Sure. He sleeps like the rest of us. But what's more important is the evil dialogue from Cat-eyed Man, um, as he's talking about like kidnapping people <laughs> and then turning evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, with his uh, sort of organization, which is. <gasps> Weapon X, surprise, surprise, and we have a final page reveal of Cyborg, Deadpool, Sabretooth, and some dude. Yeah, who is this dude? I couldn't even... We'll find Maverick. out next issue. <laughs> yeah, that's... Like, even I can't remember, because I, kn- I know I think they do say his name in the next issue, but I generally, like, I don't know right. him. Like, it's, it could be anyone. Literally. Anyone? Yeah, it could. But uh, we've got this this world's Weapon X is coming uh, into the fray. And you mentioned the cyborg Deadpool, and it's like half of his face is cyborg, but he's still got his costume on, which is... I don't know how that works. 
Like, does it Maybe. does it tuck in underneath the metal, or like, are there hooks? Obviously, um, oh. there must be hooks involved. Okay, there must be. But you know, um, Sabretooth's got like a cyborg thing going around his hand, so maybe they just have like, and maybe they're just accessories. So maybe they don't like to accessorize in this oh, universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just yeah. No, I hear that. Accessories. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think oh, wow. of this 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 issue as a whole? Um, do you know what? It's nice to have an issue that isn't just, oh god, we're going to have to murder our friends from our old past timelines and worlds. It was nice to just be like, let's just have a moment with the... Because it felt very... I know there's the whole Hulk thing, but it felt very sort of sedate and let's just talk about the characters, like let the characters have a bit of a moment and all but TJ gets anything to do, but that's fair. That's okay. Apparently, um... We're not allowed to have the entire team have have any character. <laughs> One must always be excluded. Right, but she did uh, have she did have some character building earlier on, so it's nice to give John and even Sunfire a little bit more to do. You know, definitely because they sorely need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think on on the whole, it's quite a fun little sort of character issue, and it has a nice little not so subtle surprise at the end because obviously we're in Canada, so we have to have um, Wolverines involved. So Weapon X must exist mm-hmm. um, and I like the sort of for the X-Men geek in me that loves to know about people's powers it was nice to hear what, what um, Mimic can do and the fight was really fun um, unfortunately I do think I prefer this art as as a series goes forward because as a series goes forward um, the two artists sort of interchange don't they they sort of mm-hmm. do arcs like different arcs each I do think I sometimes prefer this art, <clears throat> but I think it is a little bit more inconsistent. Yeah. Like, there are some panels that just look ugly, and then some panels that look really nice. There's no, like, middle ground. Yeah, I, I really like the panels of, um, of, of Blink and Mimic sort of in uh, Mimic's room. Those are, are done really well, some of those pages. Uh, some of the fight scenes are nice, but then you'll get... Like the panel that has all the unknown heroes that looks really ugly, or Wolverine looks bad in, in basically every every panel he's drawn here. Um, also, the side of the side of Wolverine is co- I know it's supposed to be the light from the monitor, but it's so weirdly colored. Yes, I don't <laughs> like like it's weird gray. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> the colors. I do like the fact that they did learn that leaves create shade, and so they really <laughs> did, they. they they went. They went to town with that in the first couple of pages, mm-hmm. um, and then ignored it almost immediately. <laughs> but it was nice to see. But I think it was quite a fun issue. Um, it didn't have like the the impact. No. Of the last issue, but it's not fair to be like, oh, every issue has to have this moment where they've murdered someone they've loved. <laughs> and, yes. You know, what I mean, it was just nice. Like I said, it's nice to have them not have to kill anyone that they knew before. Yes. Yeah. I agree. They got some fun moments at the beginning. We got some character beats. It's it's not a bad issue at all. It's just I think some inconsistent artwork holds it back uh, from what it could be. But um, yeah, I I I enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that those are our two issues for the day, for the week, for a number of, of weeks maybe. Um, but uh, next time we join you, we'll hopefully be reading Excalibur number five, 
Exiles number six, and uh, new is it X number four for the new Exiles yeah. series? Yes, number four. Which I, I think, think should be out next week or the week after. So uh, in a few weeks, you should see us with a little bit of a longer podcast talking about all of those issues. Um, but in the meantime, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. What's our, our Twitter handle, Dan? Excalibur's one. <laughs> so it's easy enough to find it. Mm-hmm. You can just type in Excalibur's and it'll just come up, to be fair. So yeah, send us, send us your thoughts. Tell us, or just name them. Name this random alpha flight. Like, just look at, the, look at the panel and decide who they are for us. Maybe that's more fun. I think we need to put on a tweet with that panel and be like, can you name these characters? <laughs> yes, we do definitely. You know how, how uh, Stan Lee used to have a no prize? We can call ours a bro prize because we're the Excalibur bros. Bro. And See, that works. You can, you can win a bro prize, which is our thank you um, <laughs> for naming all of these characters. I am. I am. I want to know what the long-necked robot-looking one is supposed to be. <laughs> is it Warlock? I don't know. No one knows. I'd be happy even if people like tweeted at us like how they would name these characters, like what crazy names they would give these like no-name superheroes. Yes, that'd be brilliant. Cool. All right, Dan, well, before we sign off, is there anything else comic book related that you'd like to highlight before we, we finish up? Um, only that if you're listening to this podcast and you're not listening to the Snitcast, which we regularly join uh, our good friend Jason on, you should go and listen to the Snitcast for sure. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. And um, I think what I might want to do as well, Dan, is there any, any book out there uh, not for you to like go into in depth, but something you're reading recently that you feel like deserves uh, some recognition that's not getting it. Is there any like I know indie book or some exile uh, X Men related book out right now that you feel should be? You know what? What would you recommend people to read? Holy okay, um, that was a, that's a curveball because recently I've read stuff and nothing's been good. But oh. anyway, um. No, no, I'm joking. There's been really obviously. If you're not reading X Men Red, then you're not reading X Men. So you should probably go and read that, um, and ditch the other ones that say X Men in the title. Um, I would say, weirdly enough, I've been reading a lot of old books. And if you haven't read Grant Morrison's Justice League of America, um, I'd actually recommend it because it's of its time, and it, but it's not super crazy, Morrison. It's kind of like in control of himself, Morrison, which is a weird thing to read. Um, the first story arc's very traditional, and then you start getting the crazy, and it does end up being quite crazy. But it's kind of like a weird evolution of him as a writer mm-hmm. um, before he became famous for just being the crazy dude that does massively crazy stories, <laughs> uh, and before he uh, did the New X-Men. Um, but that's what I've been reading recently. I'm trying to think of anything else that I've read that's um, been, uh, like, I feel like all the books I read that I really like, I think people do read them. I don't think there's, like, any underground gem. But after I'd have to, like, sift through all the books that I've read. <laughs> I'm not prepared for this question. Well, I wasn't prepared for it either. It's just, like, we have a few minutes here, maybe there's something we could 
highlight or something we'd like to showcase while we while we have the platform. Um, well, the thing the thing the, the thing I would say is, um, if you have 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 read these comics for the first time um, with us or in, just in general recently, and you want to know more, I definitely say go back and just experience um, Blink's first appearance in the Age of Apocalypse in. Is it Amazing X-Men? I think she was in. Um, yeah, she's in Amazing. It's not astonishing. But there's also no. there's an alpha issue, I want to say, uh, that that highlights everyone, uh, like like brings yeah. everyone into it. And then she's in Amazing. And her, she's, she's Actually, I really like that book. Uh, I love the team. It's led by Rogue with Sabretooth and Wildchild on there. With Morph is on there being a, a wild and crazy guy. And Blink and... Um, fire. Yeah, yeah, Sunfire. Sunfire, yeah. He looks, he looks awesomely 90s, but awesome mm-hmm. in its own way. I think all of the Age of Apocalypse stuff is quite good, actually. Um, not not brilliant, but it does hold the test, like stand up against the test of time compared to some of the other X-Men crossover events. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Um, I love the, the Generation X book. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a nice story to that. Uh, really pulls on your, your heartstrings. And, um, and I really like the X X caliber. Book, oh yeah, yeah, that's great too. Which is just which is a which is a change up. It's, it's mainly just a Nightcrawler and um, Mystique book. That would be interesting for anyone that wants to know what mum, mother, and son are like when they actually get on with each other. Yeah, 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 totally. I would uh, definitely recommend that. Um, so cool. Uh, Great, great talking to you, Dan. Looking forward to doing this again in another couple of weeks. And as always, uh, everyone, if, as always, but please do uh, message us with your, your character names for these, I don't know, these, these, these superhero fodder <laughs> characters from X-House number five. <laughs> and I will, be, I will be tweeting that out, so I do expect at least a few people to respond. Um, and uh, thank you so much. So I guess we'll see you in a couple weeks. See you later. Bye.